Welcome to the Finding True Health Podcast. Are you ready to reject diet culture without rejecting your health? Do you want to feel a sense of peace around food and your body while also creating habits that will help you feel your best each day? Hey, I'm Jenna, a registered dietitian, a committed follower of Jesus Christ, and a middle-aged mom. Not long ago, I felt like I was at war with my body. I believed I needed to reach some arbitrary goal weight to be healthy and happy. But one day, God helped me realize that I was focused on the wrong thing. So I began to treat my body with the love and respect it deserves through both my thoughts and my actions. And that new focus has made all of the difference. Now I love helping other women find true health for themselves so they can enjoy more energy, better moods, and greater peace in their own lives. I'm excited to get started, so let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Finding True Health Podcast. The way I just said hello, friends, totally brought back a song that I learned as a child in church that went, hello, friends. Well, let's see. Hello, friends. It's nice to be here with you in primary. Anyway, I won't break into song, but that's so funny that greeting just made that song pop into my head. Anyway, today we have an important topic to delve into. We are going to be diving into the world of inflammation and exploring whether or not you should be concerned about inflammation. This has kind of become a buzzword in the health and wellness industry. It's often kind of portrayed as something that we need to completely eliminate or be really afraid of. Wellness culture often exploits people's fear of inflammation and uses that to promote certain diets or certain products, promising to eliminate inflammation altogether. And this kind of fear-mongering and exaggeration of what inflammation is just helps to contribute to the strained relationship with food and with bodies that so many women have. So it's really important to learn what inflammation is, sort through some of the myths around this topic that are out there, and really focus on evidence-based research and practices. So let's just start out by talking about what inflammation even is. Basically, it's, it's really a natural process that occurs in our bodies, usually as a response to injury or infection or the presence of maybe a harmful pathogen or something like that in our body. It's basically a protective mechanism that our body has that helps us to heal and to fight off infections. And it's actually a super helpful, really vital, important process that our body naturally goes through on occasion. Inflammation is just part of our our body's immune system. One of the things that our immune system does is that when it recognizes a potential threat or illness or an injury, then it releases chemicals that help trigger that inflammatory response. So there are basically two main types of inflammation. There's what we call acute inflammation and then chronic inflammation. Acute inflammation can last anywhere from a couple of hours to a few days And this is the type of inflammation that happens when we are injured. Say we sprain our ankle and your foot and your ankle swell up. That's a result of inflammation. Or when you are sick and you get a fever, that is also an inflammatory response. I mentioned in the last podcast that I had gotten a bad sunburn from swimming with my children without putting sunscreen on. And that's another example of inflammation. My skin got very red. It was very hot. And interestingly, 
When that happened, I noticed that my muscles were really sore around my shoulders and my arms where I was burnt. And I couldn't recall doing any strenuous lifting or any hard workouts on my arms. So I was confused as to why I was so sore. And I did a little research and sure enough, the inflammation that comes along with having a sunburn can often make your muscles sore. So I thought that was really interesting. Another example of acute inflammation is if you eat something that's maybe a little bit spoiled or that messes with your gut microbiome, then that can cause some inflammation in your digestive tract, which leads to having diarrhea. So there are all these amazing ways that our body helps keep us healthy and safe, and it uses inflammation as a process to do that. And once again, this is a completely normal, natural, healthy, fantastic response that our body has. Chronic inflammation, however, can be a little more concerning. This is when we have often kind of low levels, but consistent levels of inflammation somewhere in our body that lasts for weeks or months or even years. And this kind of inflammation has been shown to damage healthy cells and tissues and even organs. It's believed to contribute to certain diseases such as heart disease, type 2 diabetes, certain types of cancer. And so it's, it's important to address chronic inflammation when necessary and to be aware of what might cause it and how to try and limit it as much as possible. So let's go ahead and discuss some common causes of this type of chronic inflammation. It might not surprise you that the same types of behaviors that lead to chronic inflammation are the same types of behaviors that lead to a number of different health concerns and adverse health effects. So these are things like having a lot of stress, having a lot of ongoing chronic stress in our life. Stress is a lot like inflammation. So a little bit of stress, acute stress, maybe we could call it, is actually helpful for us. It can help push us forward. It can help us connect with others. There are actually benefits to having a little bit of stress in our lives. But when we have chronic stress, when it's just kind of constantly there, we don't have any coping mechanisms or ways to reduce stress throughout our day, then we know that can lead to a lot of health issues. And this chronic inflammation is one of those things that chronic stress can lead to. Also, things like smoking, drinking excessive alcohol, just ingesting a lot of toxins into our body can stress our bodies out and lead to inflammation, lead to chronic inflammation there if we're taking in those kinds of substances often. Sleep deprivation often leads to higher stress in our bodies and kind of messes with our hormones. And so sleep deprivation can also contribute to chronic inflammation. There are also some foods that have been shown to have an effect on inflammation as well. Here's where it gets a little dicey because, as I mentioned, diet culture, wellness culture tends to latch on to this fact and try to scare us or try to convince us that we need to be afraid of these kinds of foods or feel guilty for eating them or completely eliminate them from our diet. And I want to emphasize that that is not the case. Your body is completely able, unless you have an allergy or something, completely able to handle small to moderate amounts of these foods. 
but it is helpful to be aware of the amount and the frequency that you're eating and know that consuming them in really large amounts very often is likely going to have an effect on inflammation in your body. So these are foods that are high in sugar, high in refined carbs. Remember, this doesn't mean naturally occurring sugars like the ones you find in fruit or in dairy products. These are added sugars that are mainly seen in, in highly processed foods. And these have an effect on inflammation, largely because of their effect on insulin. Um, they also have been found to alter our gut microbiome. And as I mentioned earlier, that can contribute to increased inflammation. Also, fried foods have been shown to increase inflammation. This is for several reasons. Um, one is because they can in increase the production of a compound called advanced glycation end products, or AGEs and also trans fats. And those have both been shown to contribute to inflammation. Also, fried foods are often high in a compound called omega-6 fatty acids, which can also contribute to inflammation. And they as well have been found to alter our gut microbiome. Other foods to kind of watch out for are those that, are, that have a lot of margarine or shortening or lard in them. Once again, these foods are high in trans fats which, like I mentioned with fried foods, can be pretty dangerous to our bodies. And then lastly, red meat and processed meats. So things like hot dogs, certain types of lunch meat, bacon. These also have those AGEs and eaten in excess have been shown as well to contribute to this chronic inflammation. So remember that while it's true that some foods, such as the ones that I just went over, can exacerbate inflammation, it's important to keep in mind that the overall quality of our diet and lifestyle habits play a much more significant role in determining inflammation levels than any one food we're going to eat here or there. It's really the long-term patterns in our eating that matter the most, rather than pointing to or singling out any specific food as the sole culprit of inflammation. It's also important to remember that inflammation cannot be entirely controlled by our diet. While diet can, of course, play a role in reducing inflammation, it's not this magical cure-all that if we just eat a certain way, then we won't have any inflammation in our body. It just doesn't work that way. Interestingly as well, another possible cause of chronic inflammation is excessive exercise. So being sedentary can have some risk with not exercising at all, but also exercising excessively has been shown to increase the amount of chronic inflammation in our bodies. So if your exercise routine is too intense, if it's really, really long, if you're just exercising really frequently, that causes a lot of stress to your body and little bits of stress in the form of exercise can be a good thing, but when we overdo it, then our body can really struggle with getting and keeping that inflammation level down. And then one more common cause of inflammation that I want to go over is a result of autoimmune disorders and diseases, such as lupus, arthritis, type 1 diabetes, these diseases where your body mistakenly perceives its own cells or tissues as harmful, and it, it attacks those healthy tissues and kind of turns on itself. And these types of disorders and diseases can lead to long-term and chronic inflammation in the body. I've mentioned before, my son has type 1 diabetes, and he is a teenage boy right now who cares very little about his health and his body. 
And he works a few nights a week at a BMX track. And sometimes he works at the snack bar there. And if they have leftover hot dogs, he will eat two or three or four or five or however many leftover hot dogs they might have that night. And so my little mama heart worries sometimes because he's already got this chronic disease that causes chronic inflammation. And then he's eating copious amounts of hot dogs along with, you know, the standard teenage diet of soda and chips and all the foods. So it's so hard for me to get it through his head (laughs) that he really needs to be cautious. But what do you do with teenage boys? You can't control what they eat anymore like you could when they were little. It's quite frustrating at times. (laughs) So we went over a few types of foods that can contribute to inflammation. I want to take a minute to point out that diet and wellness culture often accuse other foods of causing inflammation when, in fact, there's simply no scientific evidence to support those claims. So some common ones that I've heard being attacked are dairy. And while I will admit there are some mixed studies, when you look at all of the studies that have been done, there's really no good evidence to support the claim that dairy causes inflammation. And in fact, some studies actually found that dairy had anti-inflammatory properties. So it could help decrease inflammation in the body. So you don't need to worry about dairy products unless, of course, you're allergic to them. And then also gluten. That's another one that gets attacked on various levels. But here again, unless you have celiac disease or a true gluten intolerance or gluten sensitivity, then there's really no good evidence that gluten can lead to chronic inflammation in your body. Now let's talk about how you can tell, how you know if you have chronic inflammation. Unfortunately, we really don't yet know how to test for and identify low levels of chronic inflammation. It's an an area of ongoing research as far as I know, but as of now, you can't detect it on a CT scan, and there's really no standard test that says, okay, this is how much inflammation you have in your body right now. High levels of chronic inflammation, however, is a little bit easier to detect because we have certain substances in our body, in our blood, called biomarkers. And when inflammation is higher, then some of these biomarkers are higher. So a common one that might be tested is called C-reactive protein, or CRP. High levels of that biomarker could indicate high levels of chronic inflammation. You might also have some symptoms that are pretty noticeable, like abdominal pain or chest pain, chronic fatigue, just feeling tired all the time, joint pain or stiffness. Some people get mouth sores or skin rashes, such as psoriasis. These types of symptoms could indicate chronic inflammation. They also are really common symptoms for all sorts of other problems, so there again, sometimes it's hard to know definitively that your abdominal pain is because of chronic inflammation, but those are some other symptoms that you might find. Okay, so we've gone over what inflammation is, what causes it, how you can tell if you have it. Now let's talk about ways to reduce inflammation. To be honest, sometimes there's nothing you can do. Like in the case of the autoimmune disorders I mentioned earlier, Sometimes it's just something you can't prevent, something you can't control. And that's just part of being human. 
But I, of course, always like to put my focus on what I do have control over. And there are certain habits and routines and behaviors that have been shown to help decrease chronic inflammation. Now, you're going to recognize these suggestions as I go through them as the same ones that you've been hearing for years and years that really promote overall good health. And I have entire podcast episodes on pretty much each of these points that I'm going to go over, so I'm not going to go into depth or elaborate on the topics here. You can go back and find those other episodes if you want to dive deeper. And also, I cover each of these subjects extensively in my online course. So if you want more hands-on help and more of a step-by-step approach to including some of these healthy behaviors into your life, then just check out jennawaitcom slash programs. So the first one is to get enough sleep. Preferably seven to eight hours of sleep a night is what most people need. And studies have shown that this can really help keep inflammation at bay. The second suggestion is to limit the stress in your life through stress-reducing practices such as meditation, mindfulness, breathing exercises, and managing your feelings and your emotions. A third tip is to get regular movement throughout your day. Like I mentioned, not too much, but a little bit of movement regularly can help regulate inflammation and it can help reduce stress as well. So there's kind of a double whammy there. We talked about some foods to be careful about. There are also other foods that are high in antioxidants. They're high in polyphenols, which are just protective compounds that are going to help prevent something called free radicals from damaging your DNA, which is a form of inflammation. So plant foods such as fruits and vegetables, beans and nuts, uh, also fatty fish like salmon and mackerel and tuna, These are really helpful because of the omega-3 fatty acids that they contain. So if you don't like fish, then you can always get an omega-3 fatty acid supplement. Other foods like olive oil and dark chocolate, those also both have protective compounds in them. Certain herbs and spices have also been shown to help. So things like turmeric, ginger, garlic. Again, you can get these in supplements if you don't like eating them in foods but those have also been shown to help. So once again, if you're focusing on just trying to get an overall balanced diet full of nutrient-dense foods, then these types of foods are just naturally going to be included. I don't think you really need to like hyper-focus on these foods for their anti-inflammatory properties. Just know that they help our health in various ways, including in reducing inflammation. A couple of other ways to help reduce inflammation are to avoid harmful habits like smoking and consuming too much alcohol. And then in some cases, certain medications or steroids might be needed to help manage any chronic inflammation, especially if it's due to a disease or a disorder. So if you feel like you could use help in several or perhaps all of these areas, then please just choose one to work on at a time. Don't overwhelm yourself by trying to incorporate them all at once and completely overhaul your lifestyle. Just take it slow and steady. This is a journey, not a race. Just pick one behavior you can work on that will help in this area. And also, in case you missed it before, I want to emphasize this really important point that it is our pattern of eating over time. It is our overall lifestyle that is going to reduce chronic inflammation. There's no miracle food. There's no miracle supplement that you can take. 
There's nothing you can do in a day or a week or even a month that is going to magically reduce all the inflammation in your body. Focusing on sustainable habits and routines are really what you need to focus on here if you're concerned about chronic inflammation. And so the final tip I have is to practice intuitive eating. Remember that our bodies are very intelligent. They're very resilient and they're smart. And by being mindful of what our body is trying to tell us, we can make more empowered choices that really support our overall health and well-being. Intuitive eating is about listening to your body's cues and finding out what works best for you personally. So a quick story or example of how intuitive eating can help in this area is one that happened just last week. Last week was my birthday. I turned 43, in case you're wondering. (laughs) But for my birthday, I had this delicious birthday cake. I bought it from Costco. It was actually some mini cakes. They're kind of the, the same size as like those Costco muffins, maybe a little bit bigger. They were these mini raspberry cakes, and they were so good. <laughs> they were delicious. But I enjoyed some of that on my birthday. Banana splits is another one of my favorites. So we had that along with some banana splits and thoroughly enjoyed those treats. I also got a lot of treats as gifts. So on my birthday and then for a few days afterwards because we had some leftover cake and some leftover ice cream and of course all those treats I had gotten I was enjoying a bit more sugar well let's say quite a bit more sugar than I normally do I was doing one of those things where you know you just cut off just a little sliver of the cake and I'd enjoy that and then maybe an hour later I'd go back and cut off just another little sliver of the cake And this would continue throughout the day until I realized I'd eaten one or two of the mini cakes along with some other treats and things. So for the first day or two, I felt fine. By the third day, because I've practiced really listening to my body and trying to be mindful and intuitive, I could really see some strong signals my body was telling me that it was done. It was (laughs) had enough sugar. I needed to put a hold on the sugar consumption. I started having to visit the bathroom a lot more frequently with some very loose stools, probably because of some inflammation that was going on in my digestive tract. I also would try to check in with my body frequently, and I noticed that while my brain was telling me, ooh, sugar sounds nice, you should go get some sugar, some treats, as soon as I would drop down into my body, I would get a definite signal that it did not want any sugar. It was good. My taste buds were saying no. My stomach was saying no. It was really fascinating how I could tell my body was trying to signal to me that I needed to limit my sugar intake. I also found I was getting tired more often. I was more moody. All those things that I know come along with eating (laughs) excess sugar and You know, sometimes you just do it anyways. (laughs) So thankfully, after a few days, then it was, I wouldn't say super easy, but it was a lot easier than if I wasn't in tune with my body to take a step back from the sugar and start getting it to a more moderate and healthy consumption level. So as we wrap up here, should you be worried about inflammation? No, you don't need to worry about every single inflammatory response that your body has or even stress out about chronic inflammation because we know that that stress is just going to contribute to the problem, not help the problem. 
But yes, it is good to be aware of the main causes of inflammation, be aware that chronic inflammation can be harmful to our health. And hopefully this just gives you a little bit of extra incentive to keep working on your healthy habits. Once again, you don't need to go around being paranoid about it or buying special anti-inflammatory cleanses or supplements. Just continue doing your best to add the types of healthy habits and routines that we talk about all the time on this podcast into your lifestyle, and that's going to help limit your risk of developing chronic inflammation. Remember, it's really all about finding balance and focusing on sustainable habits and behaviors rather than falling victim to fear-based marketing or extreme lifestyle changes or diets. So I hope that this discussion has shed a little bit of light on this topic and has provided you with some practical ways to support your health in this area. If you have any questions on this topic or if you have another topic that you'd really like me to cover in one of these podcast episodes, you can actually leave me a voice message. I just set this up on my website. If you go to genoate.com slash podcast, then scroll down to the bottom and there's a spot where you can leave something called a speak pipe. You just press a button and you can talk into your computer or your phone and it'll record a quick little message and then that message gets emailed to me. And so that's just a super fast, easy way to reach out to me. Let me know what topics you would like covered on this podcast. I can't guarantee that I'll cover everybody's requests, but I'll do my best. Or if you'd rather write out your requests, you can DM me on social media. My handle is genoate underscore RD on Instagram. Or you can email me at support at genoate.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for this podcast if you enjoyed this episode, if you find the podcast helpful. I really, really, really appreciate those reviews. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am going to go pack now for a trip that we're taking to spend a week camping at the beach with some family in California. And I hope you have some fun summer plans as well. We will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Hey friend, I want to personally invite you to join me and the other amazing women in my brand new private Facebook group. It's an awesome community where you can give and get encouragement as you ditch diet culture and work towards improving your health. Click on the link in the show notes to join or go to facebook.com slash groups slash finding true health. I hope to see you there.